0: So I told you on the first week of the series about uh, one of my adventures of jumping off a cliff. So I want to tell you another story about an adventure. Um, We were on vacation this summer. We were on a trip this summer, actually. The kids were with us. There's a difference in the two. And uh, so we were on a trip this summer, and uh, we have this spot that we go as a family pretty regularly, and uh, one of the things that we do there is, uh, is these excursions, and you sign up for these excursions, and you go ziplining through the jungle, like one of them is almost a mile long, and you zip like Superman, so you're, you're like this, and the harness is on your back, so you're laying face down, and you just go through the canopy of the jungle. It's pretty amazing. And, um, and they put a GoPro on you so they can hear you screaming and losing your mind. It's pretty fun. And, um, and then you do like these high ropes and all this kind of stuff. So anyways, there's this one section that you come to that you can either skip or you can go through. And, um, and Tammy is a good mom, so she goes. She doesn't enjoy it, but she goes. Actually, this last time she was like, I'm at this age, I'm done. Like, we're, we're done. I'm not doing this one the next time. And so, but Owen and I go for it. And so you climb up this cargo net and it kind of starts like this and it goes straight up. So, you know, your upper body's pretty exhausted by the time you get up to the top. Then you go on this platform and then you do this rope where you're walking like this and you're, you're wobbling like this because it doesn't have a lot of, it's not tight. It's a lot of give to it. Are you following me? Then you get to the next platform. Then the next platform that you get to are trees that they've cut the top off of and they've put about a six inch in diameter base on top of the trees. Are you following me? Now you're hooked into a harness, so it's not really that scary. It's not like you're not gonna fall to your death unless they didn't hook the harness well. But TripAdvisor says they did well. They got great recommendations on TripAdvisor. And so so you you take off and you walk on the tops of these trees, right? So you gotta walk. But the problem is, is that the trees are not thick trees, they're thinner trees. Are y'all following me? And, and they kind of do this. Everybody do it with me. Hey. Oh. Hey. Hey, so, no, stop. And so they're kind of swaying like this. And so my strategy is to run. Just run across the tops because the, the least I am standing on it, the, least, the less it'll sway. Are y'all following me? The longer I'm on it, the more it sways. And so it's just like, it's just running over the trees in the jungle. Are y'all with me? Because if you get out there and you stop, you're stuck. Because it'll start to do this right here. And isn't this how life has felt for the last 18 months? And if you stop, you're stuck. Because the options are to go back or to go forward but in front of you and behind you is more trees that are swaying with little diameters or just jump off the tree and hope the harness captures you. Some of you are like, no, ain't happening. But I started thinking about this as it relates to our life and it relates to our faith, is that life can feel like you're standing on the top of a tree on a six-inch diameter and that thing is swaying like this. And this is how the disciples had to feel in this moment. They've been sent to get in a boat to go over the other side of the Sea of Galilee or Lake Gennesaret. It's known by different names, but same body of water. And as they do, the waves and the wind begins to blow, and it's beating against them. And you may think, well, it's a lake, and it's not that big of a deal, and... You know, they're in a boat, and I don't know what you have in your mind when you think about the boat. Like, I don't know if you think of, like, the boat that you tube behind, or like, hey, you know, you're thinking about, yeah, they just all, like, hooked up their pontoons, and they got, like, a party barge on the lake. Come on, somebody. And a little country comes out every time. And so they, they de- but that's not the boat. The boat was this little, like, 10 foot. I've seen a... I've seen a boat that they 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 found on the under the mud in the Sea of Galilee that because the water had retreated, they begin to find nails, and after finding the nails, they begin to dug out, dig out, and they found this boat and they've they've preserved it. And so it's this, it's it would fit from that speaker to that speaker, less than that on this stage, and it's made of wood, and, and it's not any more than from the front of the platform to. So maybe where I'm at right here, and all 12 of the disciples are hunkered down in this, and now they're in waves on a lake. And what you gotta know about this lake is that there is a mountain on the, on the, on the, on the right side of the lake if you're standing in Capernaum, Jesus' hometown. Are y'all following me so far? I'm trying to give you this picture. And there's this mountain that goes up, and then there's this big valley that goes down, and it has a trail that comes down through it, and that's how people made their way into the Sea of Galilee from that side of Israel. And what that, that valley does is it creates a wind tunnel. And that wind tunnel will blow across the Sea of Galilee at a given moment's notice. It's not predictable. It'll blow across it. And some scholars say that that wind would create waves as high as 15 feet. Can you imagine how scared these men are? They're in this wooden boat. There's wind coming across. There's a storm that is coming, blowing down through that valley. And there's high waves. Talk about unsettled. Talk about instability, and I think that's how life is for us a lot of times. That we walk through life, and there is moments in our life where things are so unstable, and, and there's so much instability, and, and it feels like that in this season. I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me, but it's like things that I thought were secure all of a sudden were no longer secure, and people I thought I could bank on had like lost their mind on me. Or, uh, hello, am I the only one? Like You're like, they're sitting beside me, Pastor. I can't amen this. You just look straight ahead like you don't know what I'm talking about. And so much loss in this season, loss of purpose for some people and loss of calling and, and loss of confidence in, in life and so many, and it's like we're on the top of the tree and it's swaying and it's like everybody else around us is swaying and we're like, where is their stability? And here's what will happen in that moment. Fear will grip you. Fear will grip your heart in that moment. And I think that has happened to so many of us. And so how do I have faith in the middle of that? How do I have ridiculous faith? Maybe you've been through the whole time of this teaching, and and it's really one message in three weeks. And you're like, I want to have ridiculous faith. I don't want to live reasonable, but I'm scared to death. And I want to get out of the box, and I don't want to be boxed in, but I'm scared Life is swaying. Nothing is stable. Everything feels like it's shaking all the time. Every day I get up, there's another report. My bank account looks very unstable. My relationships look very unstable. What I thought was secure, my job feels unstable. I don't know if they're going to lock me down again. I don't know if it's going to, is it going up or going down? Are the spikes going up? Are they going down? Nothing feels consistent anymore. How do I have faith in the middle of that? I'm so fearful, and this is where the disciples are. And I want you to understand something about this is that the Bible says Jesus immediately put them in the boat and sent them to the other side of the lake. Now, to understand the context of this that we read, we need to back up a little bit. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Come on, Richmond, everybody say amen. amen. So, you need to back up a little bit. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 1, here's what's happening. Jesus has just got the news that his cousin, John the Baptist, has been beheaded. Now, Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. Just because he was fully God doesn't mean he didn't feel, didn't mean he didn't grieve, didn't mean that he didn't know what you're going through and, and can't relate to the challenges and the pains of life. And so the Bible tells us, you can go read it. The Bible tells us that he retreated. He was wanting to retreat to a place to go pray and to like process through. He's got to process through this emotion that he's, pain that he's dealing with. And the Bible says that whenever he docked on the other side of the lake, a large crowd had followed him. If you've ever been to the Sea of Galilee, if you come with me someday, years from now, <laughs> I ain't going anywhere right now. You, the boat travels about 100 meters off the shore, and you can see it, and all they had to do was just follow him, so this crowd, as they go through town after town, is just amassing, 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 and then they get to this place, and there's trees in it right now, but it's like a little like amphitheater almost at the bottom of that Mount Arbel. It's really amazing, and most people believe that's where he did it. That's why he could speak to thousands of people without a sound system. It was a natural sound system. And so this is where he feeds the 5,000. I love this about Jesus, that in the middle of his own grieving, he cares about the needs of others. Can I share, can I? in the middle of your own pain, don't get so self-absorbed that you can't see the pain of others. It's a very unhealthy place when you get there. I just got to take care of me. I got to look out for me. Not if you want to be in the image of Christ, because Jesus, even when he was walking through his own pain, even when he was dealing with the death of a, all right, we'll move on. And so he feeds the 5,000, and then this is where we enter the text. He goes, immediately, y'all get in the boat, and you go to the other side. I'm going to retreat up the mountain. That's Mount Arbel, most likely. I'm going to retreat up the mountain and pray. And from the top of that mountain, it's one of the most beautiful views I've ever seen in my life. You can see all of the Sea of Galilee. And so he sees his disciples down there. His eyes are always on them. Here's what I want you to know. That no matter what storm you're going through, the eyes of the Father are always on you, that he sees you. But here's what you've got to know, is that Jesus sent them in the boat to the other side. He's fully God, but he's fully man, meaning if he's fully God, he knew there was a storm coming. And this may mess with you a little bit, but this is like the disclaimer message on this series. Because some of us think that if I have faith in God and I trust God, then life's going to be easy and life's going to be smooth and there's never going to be any bumps in the road. And if that is what you think, you will be sorely disappointed. Some people think that the the goal line or the crowning achievement of the Christian life, and we may not verbalize it this way, but the way that we think and the way that we pray and the way that we talk makes it sound like the crowning achievement of the Christian life is favor, prosperity, blessing, easy life nothing ever goes wrong, and you will be sorely disappointed if Jesus put them in the boat, Jesus put them on the water, Jesus told them to go to the other side, knowing there could be a storm. Why would he do that? Because he's committed to building your faith. And there's some things about your faith that are only built in the storm. See, God is the master adder and subtractor. And he's in the process of adding and subtracting in your life. We're on a vacation this summer, and, um, and we, we went out to the, to the pool because our idea of a great vacation is um, you get up when you feel like it. You maybe get something to eat, definitely coffee. You go down and lay in the lounge chair. When you get too hot, you get wet, then you get back out and lay back down. Then you get up and eat lunch, then you go back and lay down. Then you may go take a nap. And then you get ready for dinner, go to bed and do the same thing for the next day. Come on, somebody. It's a vacation right there. I don't understand these people come back needing a vacation from their vacation because they did so much. I'm like, what are y'all doing? You're doing it wrong. Y'all doing it wrong. But we had, we'd went and we were, this place we were staying, they were having a convention for uh, some Volvo dealers, I guess. And, um, and there, when we went out to the pool, there was this mound of sand and there was a tent over it so it, like it didn't rain on it. There's this mound of sand. There was these few guys that were working with it and by the time we came back by it it was this it was this it was the Volvo logo in this massive pile of sand for that they were doing for this convention what was there and so this this sand sculptor he was cutting away some he was moving some he was adding some to it because he knew what he was wanting to create it reminds me of the story of Michelangelo and the david statue They had tried to get sculptor after sculptor after sculptor, and nobody could do what they really wanted him to do. And they said, Michelangelo, how were you the one? He said, I just chipped away everything that wasn't David. Can I tell you something? That is what the God of our, our God is in the process of doing in your life, is that he sees the image of who he wants you to be. He sees what he has designed you to be, and he's in this process of taking everything away that's not Jesus, everything away that is not good, but in the process he is adding and he is subtracting. And here's the danger. If your Christian life is all about wanting the adding God, Bless me, favor me. Is that in his character? 100%. It is in the nature and the character of our God to bless and to favor and to prosper and to give breakthrough and to heal and and all the goodness of God. Absolutely, it is in his character. But it is also in the nature and the character of our God to prune and to cut back and to rebuke and to reproof. How many more rewords I got? Are y'all following me? Like, it's in his character to do that in you as well. And if all you do, and some of you, 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 you've had erroneous teaching or or assumption is that this is who God is. That he's only the God that blesses. So if that's true, then he's only good when he's giving you gifts. Y'all don't want me to talk to you today. But on the other extreme, some of you gave up on church and quit going for years because all you were taught is that God is just out to get you, and you're a horrible sinner, and you're the scum of the earth, and, and you left you left church feeling worse than when you came in, convinced I'm going to hell, like it's not, I'm just I'm going to hell, like. Every day, like, I did something wrong and you just knew God was waiting to zap you with a taser gun because God is always, like, just beating you up and tearing you down. And that's the God. And neither one of those extremes is all accurate. Are you following me? I would propose that God is in the process of doing both things at the same time. That God is always in the process of adding something to you. And while he's doing that, he is subtracting something that needs to be subtracted from you. Now, one of them often takes center stage in our life. There'll be seasons in your life where you feel like, man, just, i got, like, God, the goodness of God in my life is more than I deserve, and I just, all I know is to be grateful. There's just moments where it just feels like blessing after blessing after blessing, and then there's moments where it feels like, man, I'm walking through the fire, I'm in the middle of a storm, I just, are you following me? One may take center stage in your life, but both are happening at the same time. Let me say it this way. While he's removing pride, he's adding humility. Are you following me? While he's adding favor, he's removing self-reliance. So God is in the process of doing both at the same time. Adding feels good. Subtracting doesn't feel so great. So because we're so often driven by our feelings when it doesn't feel good in our life. We go, God isn't with us. How am I going to get through? God is just up. No, no, no. God is sculpting. He's a master sculptor. He's got an, he's creating you into something great. He loves you too much. So he refuses to leave you as a pile of clay with no shape or form or purpose, but he's like, no, no, no. I've got something designed for you. So I need to carve away this. And he's such a Exact surgeon. He'll take his knife and go, no, I just need to cut out that little thing right there. I need to shave away that little thing right there. Why? Because he's built. Why does he send you into the storm? He's building faith in you. And it takes some adding. And it takes some subtracting. And he's doing both at the same time in your life. He's doing both at the same time in my life. Why? Why? Not because he's like up on the mountain going, look at them, they're freaking out. (laughs) Look at Peter, he's losing his mind. He's punching James right now. (laughs) Like he just punched James in the throat. (laughs) No. She's like, no, I'm building something in them. I need them to go through this storm because when they start putting them in prison for preaching my name, I need them to have some faith in them. I, I I need them to have some. I need them. I need them to tell some stories to Paul because he's going to be in a jail one day, and I need Peter to go. No, no, no. We were in a storm and he came walking out on the water and it was all good. Because I need Peter. I need Paul to be able to sit in a prison and go. He's a wonder-working God. He's a wonder-working God. All the miracles I've seen, too good to not believe. I need Paul in there going, I'm in chains, but he's a wonder-working God. Because he knows I need some prison doors to open. And I know I I need some people that have built some faith. And this is what God's doing in your life. You don't know what is coming down the road. You don't know what's coming around the corner. But he's building faith in you for that. And so sometimes in life, you will find yourself, sometimes by your choice and sometimes by other people's choices, but sometimes because God is wanting to do something so exact in your life, you will be on the top of a tree. It'll feel unstable below your feet. It'll feel like the wind is against you. But when the wave is against you, it's building something in you. Are y'all with me so far? The text goes on to tell us that during the fourth watch of the night, that would be between 3 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., so the darkest part of the night, after you've been rowing all night. You, you, You ever been in such a storm trying to feel like you're paddling through it in life that you're just like, my arm's about to give out. I don't know if I got anything left. This is where they are. It says, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said. And then they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. And then Jesus said to him, come. Come. One word. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand, called him, and he said, You have little faith. Why do you doubt? It's so important how you see God. Because if God is always the subtracting God, then he's looking at you going, you idiot with little faith, why are you doubting? That's the tone you hear Jesus say this with in the text. That's not the tone I hear Jesus saying it to me. I hear him going, you got little faith, Daniel. Why, why'd you do that again? Come on, get it, get back up. So important how you see him. It says, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind Died down. No, he's on to say that they worshiped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. So Jesus takes a shortcut across the Sea of Galilee because he's done praying and he walks, he's walking by them. I, I think, and I think, I think the text, it's in three other gospels, I, I, think, that, I think that he was walking by them. Like, what's up, fellas? I'm going to Capernaum. That's where he lived. That's his hometown. And it says that they were terrified. Here's what's interesting to me. That when Jesus showed up, they didn't get less scared. They got more scared. Sometimes when God shows up in your life, you think it's going to be like a warm Snuggie. (laughs) And just peace. Jesus is here. I tell you, Jesus has shown up in my life sometimes, and the word he has spoken to me has made me want to run further that way. Hello, somebody. I also want you to notice that just because Jesus showed up, the waves didn't stop. Because some of you think that when Jesus shows up in your life, that he's just going to make everything perfect. He's just going to make everything great. That, that, that all the waves are going to stop. But no, Jesus showed up, the Word in flesh. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. That's talking about Jesus. And the Word became flesh. That's Jesus. He was born of a virgin Mary, and He came into the earth. The earth became flesh, and He dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. John 1.11, We beheld His glory. The glory is only, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We saw God. We saw the Word. The Word... Oh the word became flesh are y'all following me the the word became flesh. the Word put on skin. Everything that we knew about God came in the form of a body, in the person of Jesus Christ. Everything we had read about Him, so that we didn't just have to see Him in the text, we could see Him in the flesh. Everything that this embodied, He'd embodied. Everything that this said He could do, He could do. The Word became flesh, so the waves were raging around them, but the Word was walking towards them. And here's what I want you to know is that in the middle of the waves of your life, in the middle of the storm of your life, all you need is the word. Now, you need the word as in, are y'all, are y'all tracking? You need the word as in the person of Jesus, but you need a word. I'm not talking about like an adjective or a noun or like, what do you mean, pastor, a word? What does that mean? I've been around church and I hear people say, I got a word. You need God's voice speaking to you. You need a word. That's what Peter needed. How was he fearful but faith-filled? Because just because Jesus showed up, the storm's still going around. So Peter, think about it, Peter didn't step out onto like crystal clear, smooth. You know, you know how a lake looks in the morning before any of the boats get on it? That's not what Peter stepped onto. Peter stepped on How did he get the faith in the middle of being scared? Boats... Are you all... I'm trying to get your mind around that. I just want you to picture like there's a crazy storm going on and there's a boat that's just flailing like this. And Peter, he wasn't like softly out. He had to be like get out on the wave and like just start. How did he do that? He had a word. Jesus said, come. And that's all he needed. We got more than one word. Peter didn't need a paragraph. He didn't need the book of John. He didn't need He didn't even need the whole Bible. He just needed one word, and it allowed the fear that he was feeling to be overcome by the faith that was rising. I just want to speak over somebody's life today. All you need is one word. Like like maybe all you need is, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. That's what you need. You're feeling the fear, but faith will rise when you stand on the word. Maybe the word you need is I've got plans for you. You've lost purpose and calling. You need to stand on the word that says I've got a plan for you. is to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Maybe you feel like God doesn't see you and you need the word to stand on that says the eyes of the Lord are scanning the earth to and fro, looking for whom he may show himself strong on their behalf. It's the word that will cause faith to rise in you. It doesn't mean that the fear goes away. Some of you have thought because I have fear that I have no faith. Wrong answer. Just like God can add and subtract at the same time, you can feel fear and have faith at the same time. Because faith isn't the absence of fear. Fear has only won when you stop moving across the tops of the trees. Fear is only one when it so grips you that you just stuck, get stuck and just do this. Faith is the ability to go, you know, Peter's hair's blowing. I'm sure it was long. The wind's blowing. His gown is blown. You know, they wore a lot. Like, and he did it anyways. I just want to help you. No, you got to have do it anyways faith. You got to have a do it anyways faith. If you're waiting till the moment where you don't feel any fear and everything is right and everything's laid out before you and every, no, no, you've got to go. I got a word and I'm going to do it anyways. I got a word and I'm going to do it anyways. I, I got have. I'm just gonna keep walking over the tops of the trees and keep going because I got to do it anyways kind of faith. I don't know how it'll work out, but I'm gonna do it anyways. I've heard the voice of God. I've got a word from God. I'm gonna do it anyways. I'm gonna love them anyways. I'm gonna take the risk anyways. I'm gonna step out in faith anyways. So you need the word. How, 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 how can I be fearful but faith-filled at the same time? Because I have a word. But the other important ingredient is I also have some worship. I also have some worship. Because worship gets my mind on the greatness of God and off of the greatness of my storm. I've got a word and I've got worship. So I told you a few weeks ago about jumping off that cliff and uh, hurting my back and just, I'm doing all right. I swung the golf club this week and everything felt great. (laughs) But when I did that, it was a week before I got back to Virginia and could see my chiropractor. In that week, my mind went to all kinds of crazy places. And then in the following week, it was like a few days, even when I got back, before I could. How many of you know that when you're in the middle of a storm, your mind can go to some crazy places? And I'm not a fearful person, like it's even like a saying in our house, like Floyd's We're not afraid. Like we don't live by fear, we live by faith. But there is such a thing as a spirit of fear. It's the difference. It's not just like, I'm not doing that, you know, zipline excursion because I'm afraid. That's one thing. It's just like, you don't like heights, that's cool, whatever. But there's a spirit of fear that can grip you and get a hold of you. and get you stuck, and begin to dictate life's choices. And my mind, I mean, i in my mind, I had myself in an OR room, like paralyzed. I had, I was like, you know, I don't know if y'all know this, but I'll be 60 when my youngest graduates high school. Yeah, pray for me. I thought, I don't know if I'll be active with him. Like just all these things and fear, like never in my life before, gripped my heart. So much so that Tammy was like, you need to shake out of this. That's why you need to be in a group today. because you need some people around you that will go, no, 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 no. You're not going down that path. We're not gonna let you do that. You need to shake out of this. And one day I just, I got in my car and I was just like, I can't, I'm not letting this thing dictate my mind and grip my mind. And I know the word, always wanna know it better, but I know the word, I've hidden it in my heart. And so I put on some C.C. Winans in my car. If y'all don't know anything about C.C. Winans, you ain't been to church for real yet. got this song called Worthy of It All, and I put that on and I just drove and I declared the Word. You may think I'm crazy, but like out loud in my car, yeah. Yeah. I will live and I will not die. I will bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me, bless His holy name. I'll bless the Lord and not forget all of His benefits that He picked me up out of the pit, that He set my feet on a solid rock, that He heals all my disease. I began to declare the Word of God, and I just begin to worship. And I declared the Word, and I wept, and I worshiped, and I wept, and I declared the Word, and I worshiped, and I declared the Word, and I wept, and I worshiped, and I just… How long did you do that, Pastor? I did it until I felt something break in my spirit. I did it until I knew fear didn't have its hand on me anymore. I did it. I hadn't lost faith, faith that just got buried. I had to dig it out like a master sculptor. I had to dig and dig. And some of you, I wanna say, you haven't lost faith. It's got buried under fear. And I'm telling you, the Word and worship and the Word and worship and the Word and worship and the Word and worship will dig it out. Rises in your heart. And some of you, I'm not talking about fear, you're afraid to go on a roller coaster. No, no. I'm talking about spirit of fear has gripped some of you. And you feel like it's either or. You feel like it's either I've got to be fearful or I've got to be full of faith. No, it's while I'm fearful. I'm digging out my faith. It's while I feel the wind, I'm still stepping out of the boat because I can be fearful, but I can be, choose to be faith-filled. Some of you today, you need to find a space. You need to find a moment. And if you need to, weep and worship and declare the word. How long do I do it? You do it until you feel something break inside of you and fear lift off of you. Come on, do you receive the word today? ask at every head bowed, every eye closed. I wanna give two opportunities of response today Number one is this, so maybe you're here and fear has gripped you. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about you'd be afraid to jump off of a cliff, you're probably just smart. I'm talking about the spirit of fear. The Bible calls it a spirit. The spirit of fear has gripped your heart. You're here, you're online. I want to pray for you today. I want to encourage you, you haven't lost faith. It's just buried. It's buried under the heap of life and situation and circumstance. And I'm just telling you that worship and the Word will dig it back out. So if that's you, no one looking around, not gonna to come to you and embarrass you. I just want to know who I'm praying for at every location, maybe even put it there in the chat. We'll count to three, just ask you to shoot your hand up if that's you on three, one, two, three. You just shoot it up high. Wow, God bless you. All around, you can put them down. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see every hand. More importantly, you know every story. I just speak right now life and faith over every person. We declare right now that the spirit of fear will have no authority, No more grip. We pray right now, even in this moment, as we have worshiped together and we've received the word together, will something lift and break? Would the fear be lifted off in the name of Jesus? There's no one looking around. There's a second group here today, and it's, it's the fear that is gripping you is the fear of eternity. It's a fear and it's a it's a rational fear because You haven't dealt with your future, your eternal destiny. You you haven't made peace with God. The Bible says that we're all separated from God because of a thing called sin and it's not meant to condemn you, it's the reality of our human condition. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. It's an eternal separation from God. But God made a way, he gave you a gift. It's called eternal life and it's found only in the person of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote in Romans, he said, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart the resurrection that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you will be saved. Today, you can have confidence that you have a brand new beginning. You can have the confidence that heaven is your home, but more importantly, you can have the confidence right now that your sins are forgiven, that you have a fresh start. And so I wouldn't embarrass you for the world, but in a moment, we're gonna to pray together for those who wanna make that decision, take that step. And if that's you, I just wanna know who I'm praying for. No looking around, but if that's you, on three, that today's your day, this is your moment. You need to come back to God or you need a fresh start today. If that's you, on three, you just shoot your hand up. One, two, three, just shoot it up high. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. All over the room, you can put your hands down. Church, let's pray this out loud together for the benefit of those praying for the first time. Just say, Jesus, I need you ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Today I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for a brand new beginning. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate those who made that decision. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Feel free to rate, review, and share with a friend. If you'd like to find out how you can get involved or partner with us financially, visit lifepoint.org or download the Lifepoint app. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart. See you soon.